Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program and community that helps women who have had their lives disrupted by trauma to reclaim their health and step into their power. At Empowered Rx, we believe in the transformative and healing power of fitness, nutrition, and mindset. We're here to give you actionable tips and resources that will help you get back on track and reach your goals. We are here to help you turn your struggles into strengths so that you can be so strong, so healthy, and so empowered. Welcome back to Empowered Rx. We are the mentorship program that helps girls and women to restore their health after it's been impacted by trauma. Today, I'm here with Rachel Grant, who owns and has founded Rachel Grant Coaching. And she helps victims of child sexual abuse to reclaim their power and start to live their life again. Um, she is an amazing, creative woman. She's an author. She is a spoken word artist. She um, is a dancer and she is so much more. I'm, I can't do it justice. So I'm going to let Rachel take it away. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, Leah, I've been so, so anticipating this moment of getting to sit and chat with you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here on the show and connect with you and your audience. Thank you. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Rachel Grant was actually my coach when I was healing and overcoming childhood sexual abuse. And I had a lot of work to do. I had a lot of stuff to go through from childhood that I had never really addressed. And I, I really believe, Rachel, I wouldn't be here doing this business if it wasn't for you um, because you helped me get through. I'm going to get all emotional. You helped me get through to get through like oh the gosh. most hellish parts of my life. Yeah. And you did it with understanding and grace and a compassion I haven't experienced with any other uh, coach or counselor. Um, and so I just am so appreciative to you. And I want to make sure that the world knows what you're doing because it's amazing work. So tell us a little bit about your, your business. Awesome. Well, uh, Leah, thank you for those kind words. And I, it was such an honor to walk alongside you in your journey and just see you grow and take on some really scary shit, but we did it. We did it together. And yeah, just to see how you've continued to expand and grow in your life is, I mean, that's everything I live for. <laughs> and, um, and really that's my work. It comes down to working with people who've experienced, you know, childhood sexual trauma, primarily sexual trauma. And, um, and most of my, my folks come to me when they're at that place where they, like, they've done some therapy. Um, they're often very book smart about trauma. They, you know, know the lingo and these things, but their life just still isn't really shifting to another gear. They're like kind of stuck in this place of like reflection and rumination and, you know, talking about the, the abuse and the trauma. And they're really at that place where it's like enough is enough. Like I'm ready to move on with my life. And, you know, the Beyond Surviving program and Rachel Grant coaching was all really born out of my own journey of healing and getting to that kind of point in my life where I felt very 
very, very stuck. I felt super distressed. Like, gosh, is this just like all my life is going to be like kind of, you know, white knuckling it through my days. Like I was succeeding in a lot of different ways, but my internal experience, my relationships were a hot mess. Oh my gosh. And, um, and I just knew there had to be something more. And so I became really, really obsessed with trying to answer this question, right? How do we actually heal trauma? And so I was reading everything I could. I did my master's in counseling psychology. I studied neuroscience and, you know, in many ways was just trying to get myself together. Um, But as that was starting to happen, I thought, well, okay, let me see if this will maybe support other people. And so back in 2007, there's this amazing group of women in my community who um, I said, this is what I'm trying to do and what I'm thinking about. And they stepped in as my guinea pigs (laughs) and they walked alongside me in this. And I thought, okay, yeah, like, I think I'm onto something here. And so now 15 years later, oh my goodness, right? Like I'm doing this work full time and get to connect as a coach with people all over the country, all over the world, and, you know, walk them through this step-by-step process that I've created for, for healing trauma. I'm so proud of you. I love it. I love hearing stories of, of transformation and just power and empowerment. Um, we have a lot in common in terms of our mentorship model, because we have gone through these lived experiences ourselves. And we can offer a perspective to clients that many times they don't get. And that's one that's less of a power struggle and more of an equal relationship, basically, that allows people to feel comfortable, to feel safe. And I remember thinking like, wow, this this coach is different than any other coach I've had because she gets it. Nobody else has gotten it. Mm -hmm. And I've been in your Facebook groups and things, and I've seen other people relate to that sentiment as well. Tell me a little bit about like the the average client that you get, um, what their their makeup is, and mm-hmm. I know we have a lot of diverse clients, but tell me a little bit about like the typical client in there. Well, I, I would say the one thing that all of my clients have in common, regardless of race or gender or location, am, is really that they are looking for mentorship and guidance. They're really tired of the like, okay, I'm supposed to sit here and kind of figure it out on my own model that we often find. <laughs> There's a lot to be said for like our internal knowing. But when it comes to something that's so complex, you know, my background is actually in education. I was a teacher um, well before of doing this work. And so my mind really thinks very much in like order of operations and like what we need to do when. Um, and so as I've been crafting and refining this program over the years, that's really been the focus is what do we need to do when in order to maximize healing and minimize re-traumatization? And so when people find me, there's like this sigh of relief. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> like I always tell my clients, like, don't worry about how you're going to get any of the things that you want. Like that's literally my job. Yeah. Your job is just the what and the application and the deciding where you want to get to. And I'm going to help support and facilitate that. And so I love it. Like I work with women you know, pretty much across the age range. My old, my oldest client was in her seventies. Um, my youngest was twenty, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to see more and more men 
um, stepping into this work and getting resources. And so that's been really lovely to start to see that more by non-binary folks and LGBTQI. And, um, and I love like my international clients getting to work with people who are like in Saudi Arabia and Ireland and, um, gosh, Egypt the other day, I had someone and, you know, like all over the world. So, um, it's really a sweet, this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to become a coach as well. Like back to what you were saying earlier about like shared experience. I really understood from that first round of working with women that me talking about my own challenges and then, but how I addressed that, what I did about that was an important part as much as the tools and the structure and the theory and the information, but just being able to sit with somebody who was like, oh yeah, I know what that's like to like completely lose it in a moment over mm, like a Tupperware drawer. <laughs> you know, like I get it. Yes. You know, and so I think, you know, that being a coach affords me that opportunity to utilize my experiences and it affords me the opportunity to reach people wherever they are. Um, and then I'll just say the other thing that is coming to mind that's just so important to me as I was developing this work and in, in this business was making sure that there were, there was access because this is the other thing that a lot of people who come to me have in common. Mm-hmm. They've tried a lot of different things, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of times they're at that place of like, okay, well, I, this is like my one last shot. Like I'm gonna give it one more go and then that's that. And so making sure that there are free resources like my monthly support group, their introduction programs and then the longer programs so that people can really kind of dip their toe in mm-hmm. and like check it out, right? Because, okay, who is this, you know, redhead chick who's over here talking about healing and like I've trusted other people before and maybe even been re-traumatized by providers. And so, you know, giving people ways to kind of ease into the work, I think is super important. I love that. I I remember vividly sitting in a CVS parking lot for our discovery call and, and just thinking, oh my gosh, like I finally have hope. Like the approach that you took was different right from the get-go, much more personal much more, let's get right into, into the mud. Let's get dirty. Let's go feel around in the dark where it's kind of uncomfortable, but you got it. And, um, it was effective. It was applicable tools. I could practice during the week. There were readings, there were videos, and then there was conversation. And we really like chipped away at this, I guess, wall that I had built up Mm. all these years of trauma. And, it was empowering too. It wasn't like I had to rely fully on you. You taught me skills to rely on myself, which I think is so important. Yeah. Yes. Hell yeah. Because yes. I'm like, this was a pet peeve of the, the therapy model for me yes. as well. I mean, therapy is brilliant and amazing and it's necessary and it, it definitely serves its part in the healing journey. So I'm not bashing all therapy, but I, I definitely felt a lot of times that I was just, I was like in this, um, like ever ongoing, you know, place. And, and of course we always have opportunity to grow and to explore and to continue to learn about our ourselves, but beyond surviving really is about this idea of getting complete about the trauma, you know, and so that so much of our time and energy and attention isn't always wrapped up in that. And I always say like, "Mm," you know, I almost have like a little cutoff in my mind for my clients, like who go on to do like the graduate programs where we'd really start to up level and we work on, you know, different, different tools and really being in the present, like life as it is happening, less of the trauma um, processing. 
I don't want people to be on, you know, in, in here getting mentorship for 20 something years. Like, um, actually I should rephrase that. I don't want people sitting and rehashing the past with me for 20 something years. If we're getting to new levels and we're working on other things and like you have a new challenge in your life and you want some mentorship and guidance around that. Yeah. I'm all about that. But sitting and rehashing the past for 20 years. No, well, let's not do that. Yeah. And we're the same way. There's a huge relapse rate in the eating disorder world. Um, We work a lot with holistic nutrition and it's completely different than the medical treatment model, but we're seeing much more success because it is taking it into everyday life rather than just a treatment center where you go for a little while and go back to your environment. So we're seeing a whole, whole different kind of approach. It sounds like you're changing the status quo and how Trauma is treated as well. And you brought up re-victimization earlier. And I think that's so important to talk about. One of the reasons that I started Empowered was because, well, so many people have experienced trauma and health coaches are walking around with no education about it. And we can re-traumatize clients easily, whether it's to talk about um, their habits or mm-hmm. assumptions, how we spot them physically, putting our hands on people to spot them. Like there's so many little things that if you're not trauma-informed can be very detrimental and ruin somebody's whole, whole ability to get their health together. Mm-hmm. And tell me about re-victimization that you've seen in your world. Well, I can speak about my personal experience first. You know, my my first, you know, time, you know, being introduced to therapy when I was when I was around 11 years old after the abuse um, by my grandfather had become known about. And my my parents responded really beautifully to my experience. My grandfather lived with us. And when my mom discovered what was going on, she and my dad moved him out of the house right away. Um, but as we know, like, that's just one step in the process. Process. And, you know, we're talking in the 80s in a little town in Oklahoma. So, right, there was a very different scene at a very different time. But my parents knew that I probably needed to talk about this and get some help. And so they managed to get me into a therapy session. And I, I just never will forget, like I'm 11 year old little girl sitting across from this like big, he felt big and burly and like guy. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, this just feels really like what? And, um, you know, he begins talking to me about this experience and, um, he starts to say things like, well, did you ever think about that? You shouldn't wear those kinds of tank tops or why did you keep going back out on the porch swing? If you knew he was going to touch you and like, just, Uh I mean, miserable, right. Just absolutely terrible, terrible. And much later in my life. So I pretty much shut that down. Right. I started running away. Like I just wouldn't go. They couldn't find me. (laughs) I literally ran away. I went into the woods. So they wouldn't, you know, and, and I just pitched such a fit, but they just, you know, gave up on that. And, um, many, many, many years later, like when I was in my twenties and I was taking it more seriously and really seeking support around facing this trauma, Uh, I remember sitting with a therapist and I was in a a real state of distress. It was one of those moments in my life where I was suicidal. I was feeling really hopeless and like, why bother? Like, if this is life, like, no, thank you. Yeah. And I was just in tears and saying to this therapist, gosh, like, am I ever just going to feel normal? Like, can I ever just have 
a regular day. Like that's all I would, can I would like just be boring and not like all this chaos and upset and swings. And this particular therapist looked at me and said, no. What? I know. Yeah. I was like, so what? And I thought he was going to follow it up with something like revolutionary or like, no, he just stopped. That was it. No. And I, in that moment got so angry and I was like, you are fired. Yeah. And (laughs) I'm out of here. But that was like, it was an important moment for me because it really like a huge, huge underlying philosophy of my work is that trauma is not a life sentence, Mm -hmm. that we are not meant to suffer for the rest of our lives because of the choices and the actions of other people that we can reclaim our lives. Mm -hmm. And so that moment with that therapist, you know, really lit, you know, a fire under me, but it's everything from like, I have a real pet peeve with therapists who ask people to come in and do an entire history and intake of yeah. all of their trauma mm-hmm. on day one. Yeah. Like when they don't know, like what nervous system regulation tools does this person have? Have they ever even told this story before? Mm-hmm. Or is this their first time seeking help? And I think just that model in and of itself is re-traumatizing and needs to like really shift and change. And I mean, you experienced, we didn't even go into your story until session 10 out of 16 like we we touched on pieces right but the full narrative wasn't until then so yeah it really sucks that the education isn't out there and it's a whole systemic problem really yeah yeah absolutely and we have like the same philosophy uh with regards to getting your toes wet getting skills first before you go and uproot all the the hard stuff right yeah Tell me a little bit about, because we have like a big intersection here, I think, to discuss potentially re-traumatization or trauma in general. What kind of impacts are you seeing on your clients' health-wise? Right. So, well, first and foremost, just the state of having a nervous system that is dysregulated leads to a myriad of trauma responses. So everything from hypervigilance to high anxiety. So just never really getting to have a sense of feeling at peace or at rest. And when you have a system that is in constant activation, that is exhausting so much in your body. Um, And because everything's working. It's like, it's always on. It's always on. It's always on. The other end of that spectrum is people who get just so flooded end up in, you know, states of dissociation and numbing and depression, right? Cause they're just flat. Like their system literally, it's so much. It's like, I'm checking out done, not interested in, you know, participating here right now. No, we know from Vincent Felitti's work, the adverse childhood experiences that there's so much that trauma plays a part in, you know, everything from, you know, blood pressure to diabetes to habits that then lead, you know, to further health complications like eating disorders or addictions and these sorts of things. And so it's, really so, so important that we understand the correlation between chronic pain, chronic illness, and nervous system dysregulation um, so that we're not healing like just the body. This is why I love so much what you're doing, right? Like we can't just take one piece and fix that. Like it really is like, can we work holistically and make sure that all these components are like all the cylinders are um, firing? Right, right, absolutely. And I think one of the biggest things that I've realized is that when we take people in and teach them weightlifting, 
it's a very basic skill, but they learn to overcome something physically. And mm-hmm. it then translates to being over like the ability to overcome things mentally and yeah. vice versa, right? Like, well, if I can come to terms with this horrible trauma, I can get over X, Y, and Z. And yeah. I remember talking to you a lot about like, well, look how far I've come. I've come, I'll overcome how many things I can, I can tell my story. I can own this. I can move on. Um, and a lot of it is giving people permission to let go and to move oh. on because of shame and grief. Tell us a little bit about that whole model of shame and grief and how that kind of exists in the medical world and maybe how you're changing it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. It just, what, what you were just saying there just made me think so much about the importance of being seen and the importance of being comfortable in your own body and how these two things are, are so often a struggle for those of us who've experienced sexual trauma. And so when we go into these environments where we're working on the body, the shape of the body, the strength of the body, like these sorts of things, like a lot of that can get really triggered. Um, and, and a lot of it is through underlying shame and distress that sits there, like weight, can become a a way of feeling protected or safe in your body. And like, particularly um, a lot of times abusers will say things or implicate the person's body as the source of the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll say things like, why are you wearing that? Right. Or like you wore that, that turned me on, that's your fault. Or just the fact that like for a woman you have breasts and therefore, right. Um, I can't control myself. Like all these, this terrible, terrible messages that we get about our bodies, um, that then lead us to feel ashamed. I think the other thing that's happening is when your body is violated, then you don't necessarily feel safe in your body. Mm-hmm. Right. And so when you're trying to advocate for yourself, but you have all these underlying beliefs that you're not deserving, that there's something bad or wrong about you, mm-hmm. that you're dirty, that you're broken, then any environment you go into can be um, like full of landmines, you know, st- stepping into a doctor's office and maybe trying to advocate for your health, but feeling like feeling disempowered because you've been told and taught you listen to the adults or you listen to the experts or you don't really know your body. Maybe you're struggling to even connect into what's really wrong and you don't have a trauma-informed doctor who can really sit and have that dialogue and that conversation with you. And so I think it's interesting all the different like branches of how this work starts to reach out into other areas of people's lives and the conversations I start to have everything from how do I advocate for myself with, you know, a co-parent to in the doctor's office to at work, because at the end of the day, it's all about finding our voice again Mm -hmm. and our deservingness and therefore being able to walk out into the world from an empowered place I I love that so much. I think um, one of the big things that you just said that made me think of this, we talked about systemic issues earlier. You're talking about walking out into the world as an empowered person. And we're finding the issue is we can help somebody become empowered, but then they go out into the world and the systems fail them over and over and over again. Yeah. And our society has this whole, like, you don't wear your heart on your sleeve. You 
pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You keep going, you keep it to yourself. Like you X, Y, and Z, you have to be productive or we're not worthy. Like all these other societal expectations on top of trauma can make people feel like they have to put their head down and just kind of barrel through it. Um, which is trauma in itself. Oh my gosh. That's another way that we get re-traumatized. It's by the systems that are meant to support. It's making me think a little bit about the, there's a show on Netflix right now called Made. And it's a... Have you watched that? Yeah. Right. And like you see this young mother, you know, with the you know, an unsafe partner, she decides like, I'm not raising my kid in this environment. I'm getting out of here. And just the circles and the loops and the hoops and the red tape that she runs into just like, okay, you can't get a job until you have this, but you can't get it, you know, get a job until you have that. And it's like all of these different things. And, you know, she meets a few people along the way who, who help her, but there's so many people out there that, you know, don't have those resources. And I think if we want to get really big picture and start to talk about, we know that sexual trauma impacts, you know, one in three women. And we usually quote one in six for men, though, as more men are coming forward, those numbers are changing and it may be very, very close. Mm -hmm. But just to speak to, you know, the way that women and women's bodies have been objectified and utilized and the way that misogyny and patriarchy sets up these systems such that, you know, a woman trying to go into, you know, a place, again, stepping into places of empowerment, these systems, it's not a mistake, right? Right. That these systems hold her back, you know, and make her have to work 10 times harder in order to reach that kind of level of autonomy and agency when coming out of abusive environments. And, you know, we know that another impact of childhood trauma beyond the physical being and the mental emotional being is the fiscal being, you know, the capacity to earn a living, the capacity to have stability, to have financial um, responsibility and these sorts of things. And so it keeps oftentimes people who have been abused in um, systems where they, they continue to be abused and disenfranchised. Yeah, you bring up such a great point. And that's one of the things I noticed right away about your program that was so unique was it was affordable. And if it wasn't affordable to a person, you offered scholarships and a scaling system that did make it a resource people could use and learn from and then heal and move on rather than getting stuck. Um, Mm -hmm. Trying to do the same with our services, make them affordable, accessible. The medical treatment system, you know, if you don't have insurance or your insurance is bad, then you're paying out of pocket. Yeah. Like residential treatment center is about $30,000 a month. Nuts. I mean, I, what? Who, who could afford that? Especially during COVID, who could afford that? Basically oh, nobody. Gosh. And if it fails, insurance doesn't cover it again or only covers part of it. And then you're not allowed back in and you're lost. So your program really allows for people to have accessible help that changes their life without getting stuck in that cycle. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it just matters. It just matters because, I mean, the the accessibility piece is critical. And that's one of the reasons why I love collaborations and partnerships and connecting in with other organizations. You know, my my spirit is one of collaboration, not competition. Mm -hmm. I wish there weren't so many people in the world needing this help, Mm -hmm. but I know there are. And it's going to take more than just me, right, to handle it. So we've got to team up. 
And we can do that and we can partner and by way of that, make a bigger impact and a bigger change. Because I've always said like the last thing that should stop somebody from healing is money. Like, come on, if they're ready, if they're, you know, committed, then they deserve to have access to the support that they, they need. Well, Rachel, it's been such an honor to have you on our show. I am super excited to talk further. Um, I want more people to learn more about you. And I honestly, I'm, we're probably going to be having a women's speaker series. I'd love to have you on there. Oh, yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you be a part of the conference and everything like that? Um, I just love the work you do. And I personally appreciate you so much. So thank you for being a part of my journey. And, and yeah, we will definitely sync up together at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Love you much. And thank you so much again for this opportunity to to share about my work and my journey. And um, for any of you who are listening, if there's anything that I can do to be a support to you, reach out, you know, pop over to rachelgrantcoaching.com. I always recommend that people start with my three stages of recovery checklist, which they can get if they scroll down to the bottom of the, the homepage there. It gives you a nice little framework to help you understand like kind of where you're at in your process and what kind of support you need and some of the goals for each of those stages. So check that out and and reach out if you need anything. And I look forward to connecting and staying in touch again soon, Leah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Empowered Rx. If you want to find us for more information or to understand more about our services, you can find us on Instagram at EmpoweredRx, or you can join our free Facebook community filled with women who are all trying to get healthy and happy. To find that community, simply go to Facebook and search for the EmpoweredRx community. Have a great day, you guys, and stay well.